Welcome to Amplify Your Process Safety, the podcast that provides the experience and expertise you need when it comes to process safety and risk management. Our hands-on approach will give you the insight needed, whether you're new to industry or process safety, in a role where you interact with aspects of process safety, or an experienced process safety professional. Join us in our mission to protect people, the companies they work for, and the communities where they operate by making process safety knowledge available to all. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome back to the Amplify Your Process Safety Podcast. I'm Rob Bartlett, and I'm back again with Molly Myers. Hello there. This is the second of a two-part series on operator training that we're doing. The first part covered initial operator training. And Molly, what are we going to be talking about today? So today we're going to be talking about the regulatory requirements and best practices associated with refresher training. Uh, So it's not just enough to train your operators when they first start the job, but you need to have ongoing training for them. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. So if we look at the requirements for refresher training, um, again, last time we talked about the initial training. So assuming we've done all that initial training, someone's come on board, they've gone through that initial training, they've been operating for a while. Then we say, Mm -hmm. okay, OSHA says, and EPA say, we've got to do this retraining at least every three years. So the requirement is every three years or more often as needed. And where does that come from? Well, there's two pieces of, first off, obviously, if management thinks that we need to do training, refresher training more frequently, well, then we do that. However, we also need to consult with operators regarding the frequency. And the way that we recommend to do that, there's a lot of different ways to do that. But one of the ways that we recommend to do that is actually including a question about the refresher training as part of some sort of knowledge quiz or some sort of final supervisor documentation. So essentially, when you're done with one time of training, there's Mm -hmm. a question, okay, so our refresher training frequency is X. Probably for most people, it's every three years. Do you think that's adequate? Yes, they think it. Yes, I think it's adequate, or no, I don't. Well, how often do you think it might be, or it would right. be better to be? And also, now, we got to make sure. The, yeah, ahead. most of no. the time, the operators will agree that every three years makes sense. But you know, there there can be exceptions where people have particularly hazardous operations or things that have been prone for a lot of changes. You know, if you build up a lot of MOCs, you train on those individually, but that can accumulate to quite a bit where they can say, you know, it'd be nice to have a comprehensive review every two years or something like that. But yeah, the default is three years. And I think most people end up there. The vast majority. And I'll be honest, I think I've had maybe one. I can only, I can think of one. I can't think of any others where number one, I I haven't had anybody say we do it more often than three years, but I think I've only had one time where any operator actually said, no, I want to be trained more often. Um, (laughs) But it's there and it's a requirement and we need to make sure that we do it at least every three years. And then of course, as we say, whenever we're doing audits, if you don't document it, it didn't happen. So we want to make sure that we document any training that we do the same way we did with our initial training. We're going to do mm-hmm. the same basic type of refresher training. We need to make sure that we have the person's name, the date that the training occurred, or the dates. If they were trained over a, a range of dates, we want to make sure we document that. And then we also want to make sure that we've recorded the means used to confirm their understanding. And we talked about that in the last podcast. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of different ways to do that. 
So along with the requirements today, we wanted to talk a little bit about the best practices related to this refresher training. And there's a few different aspects of it that we would recommend that people put into their training for those refresher training requirements. The first is at least make sure that the operator, that the individual reviews the SOPs, the current SOPs, and make sure that they provide markups for proposed changes and or any questions. So right. whether it's electronically or whether you print it out, every operator, at least every three years, should be going through to make sure that they understand the current operating procedures and also have an opportunity for feedback of, hey, that's not how I do it. I can do it like that, but hey, I think this is a better way to do it. Right. This is an opportunity for them to do that. Yeah, and this is a great chance to get your operators to participate and help you ensure that your SOPs match the way the process is being run. As part of an audit, you know, ideally you take the SOPs and you confirm that, you know, they're doing it like it says, and you don't want an auditor to grab an SOP and go out there and it says, oh, well, they're catching a sample this way and actually they watch an operator grab a sample and it's done differently, that's not good. So this is an opportunity to help keep your SOPs current in addition to do the operator training. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, it's good to have in-person review of operating limits and consequences of deviations and response to those deviations in many processes for PSM covered processes. We have the situation where we normally operate within an, you know, some sort of an operating range. Mm -hmm. And depending on the type of process it is, maybe we rarely deviate from those. Hopefully we don't deviate from them at all. But obviously real in real life, we do have high temperatures or low pressures or whatever. The deviations, the consequences of the deviations, and then the proper responses to those deviations are things that folks need to understand, but they may not get a chance to actually practice very often. So mm -hmm. if we include that sort of discussion as part of our training for the refresher training, then at least every three years or whatever the frequency is, at least every three years, we're saying, okay, if in this step you get a high temperature, this is what mm -hmm. you do. If you get a high pressure, this is what you do. And hopefully that will that training will be there when some sort of a deviation does happen. Right. And that's especially important if your PHA, for instance, is counting on an operator response to a deviation as one of your safeguards, then it definitely is critical that in this refresher training, the operators understand that they are one of the safeguards and they need to be prepared to take action and know Absolutely. what action to take. Right, right. Another potential way to do this is to have some sort of a discussion or a tabletop simulation of upset scenarios or emergency shutdown. So it kind of takes what we were just talking about and goes a little further like, okay, you're at the board, it's two in the morning and this alarm comes in, what do you do? Have some sort of tabletop simulation that folks can be put in the situation of that upset scenario mm -hmm. so they can go through, okay, this is what I would do, and then get some feedback from supervisors, engineering, mm -hmm. or, or such. Yeah, those emergency shutdowns are um, especially important to do that with because hopefully nobody has to do an emergency shutdown. But when they do, you don't want them to have to pull out a binder and find the right tab and say, oh, that's right. I was supposed to do this and this and this. 
they need to know that right off and go ahead and start when doing I, those actions. When I did my initial training or when I did my refresher training, I know it was in the procedure somewhere. Now, where is that? <laughs> and of course, if yes. they can't even find the procedures, that's a whole nother issue. But okay. So our best practices, we've got have them review the SOPs and provide any feedback to changes that they think should be made. Have some sort of in-person review of operating limits and then the consequences of deviations and the responses to those deviations. And then we've got some sort of discussion or tabletop simulation of upset scenarios. The next one on our list here is really kind of at the end of this refresher training process, we want to have some sort of verification of understanding. And we recommend that we do this in some sort of a written test to make sure that they understand the SOPs, the operating limits, all the things that we've talked about. We want to have some sort of way to make sure they understand that. And whenever I do quizzes for procedures like this or for training like this, I always ask myself, let's just say it's like, okay, I want 20 questions. What are the 20 top things I want to make sure that they remember to do? In this step, if you get a high temperature alarm, what do you do? You put it in a question. They've got to think about it. It's much more likely that they're going to know that mm -hmm. when the time is right. Right. And then the last thing, again, which we talked about a little bit with the um, initial training, and it really does come right back into play here with the refresher training, which is have some sort of observation by a supervisor or by leads, uh, lead operator, someone like that, to make sure that, yes, this person still knows how to operate their process. And this, in my mind, this is especially important for the folks who don't necessarily operate day to day. So maybe they're backup operators. Maybe they work in a different department and they come to this department just to cover overtime, right? So maybe a yeah. few times a year they come in. There are all sorts of challenges that that situation has, but we've got to think that that may be the sort of person who you were doing the refresher training for. So having that observation helps to make sure that we, at least every few years, we are getting eyes on them actually operating the process and saying, yes, they meet the standards, they can mm -hmm. operate this safely. Right. Right. And, and that's the key point is you want to make sure that they can operate safely. Absolutely. And Absolutely. So. this is our way to check that. Yeah. Okay. So that's the requirements and the best practices for the normal every three years uh, mm -hmm. refresher training. And there's one other type of refresher training that may impact when we do this sort of a thing, Molly. And I think you were going to go through that. Yeah. So a lot of processes may be batch operated and they may cycle through batches every few days or hours or, you know, whatever frequency. And with those batch processes, they kind of start up and shut down at the beginning and end of each batch. And so you do that routinely. But if you've got a continuous process, you're not necessarily hitting those startup and shutdown procedures on any routine frequency. Some companies may do like a end of year shutdown or something like that. You get into oil refining, they may only shut down every three to five years. So... It's, a little bit of a difference there. <laughs> yeah. So just because you did a three-year refresher training, they may not have seen those startup and shutdown procedures within that three-year window. And so it's important that when you're coming up to one of these turnarounds that is infrequent, you may want to go ahead and do some refresher training just before you head into that mode. As we've said in numerous other podcasts, your highest risk for process safety incidents is on either shutdown or startup. 
because you're not in your normal operating mode. You may have to bypass things. You're doing stuff out of a normal sequence. You may be pushing operating limits to where they're intentionally out of those normal ranges because you're trying to shut it down or start it up. You've got, you've got interlocks bypassed. You've got, you've got maybe Mm -hmm. by physical bypasses installed in, you know, around special equipment. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so we recommend that if you are coming up on one of these infrequent turnarounds, that you do some special refresher training just before that. We recommend that you look at any special hazards associated with startups and shutdowns and look at those SOPs associated with that. What are they going to be having to do that's not in the normal routine? Make sure that those SOPs are accurate. Make sure that there hasn't been some sort of MOC that happened in between now and the prior turnaround that may have rendered some of those SOPs a little out of date or out of sequence or something like that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you do the MOC, you should take all that into account. But sometimes the startup and shutdown SOPs, because they're done so infrequently, may get overlooked in that process. And this is an opportunity. I would go further than further than say may get overlooked. I mean, I I, th- I think those are frequently overlooked. You know, in the day to day of getting MOCs done and keeping a process going, it's pretty easy to check the box that says, "Oh yes, I considered this the impact of this change on startup and shutdown." You know, and then either not take the time or for whatever reason, you know, miss something. So absolutely, right. uh, absolutely should be doing going through yeah. that. So so look through those SOPs. Make sure they're correct. Also review any sort of procedures that you may need to use for decontaminations, rinses, cleanouts. How are you going to handle the waste that's generated, things of that sort. And then look at isolations. If you're going to be doing maintenance work, you're probably going to need to lock out equipment, isolate piping, drain things. Maybe you've got uh, different lockout, tagout, energy isolation locations that need to be updated. Make sure that you understand how you isolate. As I said, sometimes these turnarounds are not done very often, and sometimes they're done and you still leave inventory of material in certain vessels and holding spots. But once in a while, maybe you're going to need to do some maintenance or a project or something on that, and now you're going to have to do it even different from what you did three years ago. And so look at that, make sure you can isolate, make sure that you can make it safe for whatever the anticipated projects or maintenance coming up is going to entail. And then that also leads to looking at safe work practices. So any sort of safe work practices that are going to come into play during your turnaround, and usually these are for maintenance or large projects. Mm -hmm. So that often involves lockout, tagout, confined space entry, working from heights, First break um, procedures. Pipe break procedures. Sometimes yeah. it's uh, critical lifts if you're going to be hoisting heavy equipment over piping and other equipment and so forth. So look at those safe work practices. Make sure everybody understands how to use them. Sometimes I've seen when they have a large turnaround and an entire unit is going to be isolated and decontaminated and shut down for maintenance work, sometimes that lockout tagout procedure 
changes and mm -hmm. they have a special turnaround status, for instance. And so make sure that everybody understands those nuances and those differences of what's going to happen when you have the entire unit down as opposed to just a one pump or one yeah. piece of equipment. Right. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, absolutely. So anyway, th these are some things to think about when you're doing infrequent shutdowns and startups. Your process may have other situations where you're doing something very infrequent, you know, less than once a year type thing, and it may be worth considering doing some special training just prior to those activities. Absolutely. And is it required? Not specifically, no, but it is best practice. Certainly. It is best practice. I mean, certainly, you know, I think I would say that the expectation is that you operate and maintain your process safely. So even though you may have done your refresher training a year ago, and now it's time to do a turnaround, having some more turnaround specific training, I think would very easily be considered part of that requirement to have a safe process. So, but as you say, there's no, there, there is nothing in the PSM standard that says if you're having a turnaround, you need to go through all your turnaround <laughs> SOPs. So exactly. Okay. Well, I think that was, uh, I think that's what we wanted to cover. So anything right. else, Molly, is that good? No, no, I think we're ready to start wrapping it up. All right. Well, as a reminder, Training is very important for safe operations. Good operator training is assumed as a baseline for PHA. We don't generally consider training to be a safeguard by itself. I mean, the assumption is, is that you're training your folks mm -hmm. to do the job they need to do to operate their process safely. We do need to complete refresher training at least every three years, but there are lots of ways to do that. We've given some best practices. By no means is that an exhaustive list. One important point that we do want to make is that completing this refresher training simply by assigning operators to review procedures every three years isn't really in line with the spirit of the requirements. And I've we've seen that both numerous seen, times. Yeah. We've both seen that many times. It, um, it's easy to put it into one of these computer-based training programs that says, oh, okay, every three years I need to assign to Joe operator or Sally uh, lead operator to review these SOPs. Check mark, they're done, mark refresher training off of our list. But yeah, that's not really in the spirit of it. And I don't think it does justice to the intent of the requirement. No. And the fact is, is that in my mind, assigning the review and the reading through the procedures in your electronic document control system or something like that. Doing that is like step one of a few step <laughs> process. So um, we're not at all saying not to do it. We're saying do not just do that as your only refresher training. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So for additional information on training, you may want to listen to one of our earlier episodes, uh, number 31, on effective operator training. And don't forget to go back to the first of this two-part series where we covered initial operator training. If you've got any questions about what we've been covering, or maybe you've got some different best practices that you'd like to share with us, please send us a email or there's a link in our podcast description, or you can email us at podcast at amplifyconsultants.com. And finally, as usual, our goal here at Amplify Process Safety is to save lives by partnering with companies that handle highly hazardous chemicals 
to create world-class process safety systems, as it's our firm belief that these systems will help prevent catastrophic incidents like fires, explosions, and toxic releases. And unfortunately, we still see those virtually every week in the news. So if there's anything we can do to help you on your process safety journey, please do not hesitate to reach out. Yep. And thank you for listening. And until next time, be safe out there. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Amplify Your Process Safety. Head to our website, AmplifyConsultants.com, to find our show notes and other resources. Thank you for joining us in our mission to ultimately save lives by advancing process safety right here on Amplify Your Process Safety. Until next time.